I was hoping against hope that for some reason we'd come out and find a way to dominate, but uh, that's not how it ended up going. Song we all know and love. Blau und Weiß sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Lieben. Wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf English. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. As you know, Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to English-speaking fans of the club, and get their point of view across and bring you game highlights. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. How are we doing this evening, Jack? Good evening, Richard. Um, I am going to derail the podcast immediately because uh, <laughs> uh, we are Schalke fans, of course, but we are also fans of uh, European football and football everywhere in general. Um, and this past week, Arsene Wenger announced that he is going to be stepping down at the end of the season from his managerial duties yeah. with Arsenal. I don't know how voluntary that really was, but um, regardless of how you feel about him right now or recently, um, one of the longest tenures of any manager in, in football um, and a lot accomplished there. My favorite player is Dennis Bergkamp, and a lot of the teams around that time for Arsenal were just an absolute joy to watch when they were at their best. So uh, he leaves quite a legacy behind, and I just wanted to give him a shout-out and uh, wish him the best with his future endeavors. Yeah, yeah, uh, great manager. Uh, I know all the, the newer Arsenal fans may not realize all the, all the past glory he's had, but, you know, teams with players like you know Dennis Bergkamp like you said and Thierry Henry um uh Perez Robert Perez uh, so many guys so many talented teams and he had the undefeated season that what was it 2006 and they just lost in the finals Champions League to Barcelona and Ronaldinho so no that's uh Arsene Wenger is a fantastic manager and uh yeah kudos I mean I don't know about kudos but uh he's <laughs> stepping he's stepping away and uh, uh whether it's uh, forceful or not um I, I guess Arsenal are ready for a new a new new blood in the in the house, I guess. And uh, they got a bunch of names to turn around, but um, yeah, Arsene Wenger, uh, he's been there what well over twenty years, right? Twenty two, I think. Twenty two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's you, that's unheard of in this day and time. You yeah, get so two for, years. That's for reference, uh, Arsene has been the manager of Arsenal since I was three years old. So there you go. How many Schalke managers is that? Twenty <laughs> two? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Close to it, right? If you know the answer, tweet us at SO4 underscore podcast. It's gotta be at least ten. Oh yeah. Um probably I'd get I'd I'd venture to say more like fifteen. That's yeah, me. probably. Let's do a poll. Anyway, uh <laughs> as uh 
Arsene Wenger is probably the best news we we got this week because uh, obviously we had uh, the DFB Pokal midweek, and then we had uh, the game this weekend against Cologne. Um, let's just get into it, Jack. Uh, let's take it away. Yeah. So midweek, uh, it was the big game against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, semifinals of the Deutsche DFB Pokal. Um, what were you hoping for? Going to, obviously, a win in this game, but what kind of uh, what kind of play were you expecting from Schalke going into this one? Well, I was hoping it wouldn't be as tight as it usually is when we play Frankfurt because those do tend to be very tight, cagey fixtures, um, and those make me nervous. Uh, <laughs> particularly with the Schalke team who uh, oftentimes is involved in those. So I was hoping against hope that for some reason we'd come out and find a way to dominate and, uh, you know, look a lot better offensively than we did and, you know, get a little bit of a cushion going so that I wouldn't be watching this uh, and freaking out about it uh, and not leaving it, you know, right to the end. But uh, that's not how it ended up going. No, no. So... Uh, we're gonna like kind of zoom through this. Uh, first half ended zero zero. It's, gonna, it's a very tight affair uh, throughout, and it's what you expect in a semifinal of the DFB Pokal. That's not that doesn't include Bayern Munich. Uh, and their and their matchup. What did they win? Something like six one, six two, or something crazy? Yeah, I think it was six two. They may have got all the goals in the first half as well. I mean, I don't. It was crazy. Anyway, uh, so yeah, this game was zero zero in a halftime. Uh, going to the second half is still very tight. Um, Schalke, as everyone, you know, everyone talks about all year that they're so lethal on set pieces, da 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 da, and they're good at defending them usually. Uh, however, uh, in the 75th minute, uh, off of Eintracht Frankfurt corner, uh, Jovic, uh, with a acrobatic back heel, I guess it was, or I don't know how exactly he shot it in, but he got a goal. Uh, it snuck past, um, Fireman, and it seemed like it was a blown coverage by Stambouli on the play. Uh, what did you make of that little fiasco there in front of the net? Yeah, Stambouli was definitely a little bit lost on that, but I mean, overall, it's just a phenomenal finish. Uh, you can say it's it's fairly lucky, but and he, so basically, Jovic makes a, kind of a near post run, and this ball comes in um, almost like waist high, and he sort of side foot flicks it, uh, kind of back post, I think, or at least kind of. Yeah, beyond Fairman, who was not expecting a shot to come in from that angle, who can really blame him? Uh, and yeah, I, it, I mean, defensive lapses aside, it was just kind of a pretty special finish for him. It was uh, Zlatan esque, I guess. <laughs> Hashtag dare to Zlatan. Dare to Zlatan, absolutely. Uh, so we've we've been down before, not a big deal, right? Um, uh, continue on a couple minutes after that, uh, Jelson Fernandez comes in for. Eintracht, and he's in there for what thirty seconds, Jack, before he makes a, a, a terrible foul on uh, Leon Goretzka. He uh, picks up a yellow, uh, but then they go to VAR, right? Yeah. So as you said, he gets subbed on. Uh, this is probably you know a decision that uh, Nico Kovac has spent you know several minutes pondering. Yeah, this is the right call <laughs> for the match, and then 
<laughs> 30 seconds into when he comes on the pitch, he commits a, commits a foul. Uh, he kind of stamps on Goretzka's foot ankle, takes him out. Um, definitely a clear foul. I think definitely a clear yellow. But then VAR gets involved, and the uh, the official, uh, I forget his name off the top of my head, uh, decides to go over and take a look at it on the monitors. Um, and he comes back and ultimately changes this decision from a, uh, a yellow card into a straight red, which personally I thought was pretty harsh. Um, I don't know if it was intentional or not or malicious. I couldn't really tell if uh, you know he, he was trying to go for the ball and then realized he didn't and just tried to tackle him and take him out so he couldn't advance or if he was never going to make it and wanted to you know commit a hard foul. I, I couldn't really tell, but either way, um, I wasn't so sure that it was deserving of a red card, and I thought that was a pretty strange sequence for the ref to go over there and then actually think that it was deserving of that. So I'm sure there were plenty of Eintracht Frankfurt fans who were furious at that, and uh, I, I was not 100% convinced of it. What did you think? I, uh, I, I too, thought it was a harsh foul. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, if we got a red card for us, um, I'm, I'm happy because we got a man advantage, but... Uh, the immediate thought that went in my head was, okay, one a that is that's very harsh. I don't know if I'd call it like that. And two, now I, I, I must have all this confidence in the world because I'm like, oh, it's gonna suck now to win, and then hear all the complaints by the Eintracht fans saying, no, uh, we we got jipped because of blah blah blah. So I was conf- I was obviously confident in that play uh, when it happened, uh, being being up one one player. Um, but that that was interesting because later on when we're gonna get to it. Uh, it's something we kind of wished that we got switched. Get a get another VAR opportunity for you know switch that with something that happened later, um, so there you go. Uh, Eintracht down to ten men right right, right away. Um, so you know the game continues. Schalke are obviously trying to get a goal now to try to equalize the game, uh, take it extra time. Um, last few minutes of the game, Schalke had several opportunities uh, in the box, and then a lot of uh, there's at least two plays, Jack. Maybe there's more uh, where I thought it was a clear cut penalty. Um, I'm waiting for VAR to step in once again, and it, it never came. I'll have to go back and look at some of those. Um, I don't. I'm not surprised, at least, that maybe the uh, the officials were being cautious with calling a penalty that could, you know, decide something late in the match. The one, but. the one I think that was the worst was the DeSanto one. I thought that was a clear goal in that one, where he he got it off his chest. They said, it was well, off I mean, his yeah. Arm. So I mean, that's that's something completely. I thought you were talking about like, just the penalties specifically. Oh, penalties. So, oh, one. Okay, so there's one penalty for sure that I thought should have been called, uh, and I can't remember who anymore yeah. what it is because I'm just pissed <laughs> off. But uh, also the DeSanto play, which I thought should have been gone to VAR. As yeah. Well. Okay. So basically, what happens for anyone who didn't see this is uh, Schalke have a series of corners late in the match, bleeding into stoppage time. Ultimately. Uh, you know, a ball comes in, gets bounced around, and it comes DeSanto's way, kind of at the top of the box. DeSanto plays this off his chest and brings it down and shoots it. Before the ball even crosses the goal line, the ref has blown his whistle and waved it off for handball for controlling it on the way down with his arm. The referee was about 10, 15 feet away from tops. He had a very clear view of it. Um, I mean, obviously, DeSanto's back was to him. Um, but uh, he waved it off immediately. So, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. I have not read into the, you know, the specific details of VAR and exactly how it works and everything. And so watching this match live, uh, when the referee decided to, to blow that off, I was like, OK, well, surely that has to go to VAR. Right. Because you watch the replay and it clearly did not hit his arm. 
um, he brought it off kind of right where, uh, you know, the club crest would be right on the shirt, kind of, you know, right, right over his heart, essentially. Um, it, it's near his arm, but I, I think it's pretty clear that it's kind of in his, his chest shoulder area, um, does not hit his arm on the way down. And so I, I'm waiting for VAR to get involved and it, and it never does. And so, so watching this, I'm thinking to myself, um, one, either the VAR has not seen anything wrong with it either, in which case there are now two officials who have missed what I think is a pretty obvious call um, or VAR has gotten involved and the referee via ego or something else has decided not to go take a second look at it or take the advice of the official. So I was, was furious because this goal is ultimately disallowed way, you know, blown off. And you know, that's the equalizer and stoppage time. That's the match right there. Um, what I learned afterwards is that apparently if you, uh, if the referee blows the whistle before the play is complete, it is not reviewable. So, exactly. uh, yeah, because like I said, as this ball is in the air on its way to the goal, the referee has already blown the whistle for it. Um, in that case, to me, it's absolutely inexplicable as to why the referee would blow the whistle there instead of waiting literally a half a second longer than making his call and leaving the possibility of a VAR uh, review open. Um, that is just criminal in my opinion, but you know, there you go. Um, there've obviously been plenty of, uh, hiccups and weird situations in this kind of inaugural season of VAR in the Bundesliga. Um, and I don't know if we're going to work those out in the future. I hope we do. I, I personally am sort of optimistic about it. I think it ultimately could become a good thing when it's, when it's implemented correctly and when things run smoothly and we're obviously going to have growing pains and in hiccups initially. Um, What's your opinion personally on VAR in general and kind of its future in the Bundesliga and elsewhere? I think VAR is a good thing. Uh, I know a lot of the English pundits were talking about how, oh, see, VAR doesn't work. And they're talking about, I don't know, some play last week and not this weekend. Um, and I'm like, no, come on. It's the first year in all the leagues, and it's got to work out through its hiccups. Uh, I, I, even despite this play or lack of VAR, I still think VAR is the way to go. Uh, it just needs some fine-tuning as the years go on. Um, I think this referee didn't know the weight of the call and, and the rules of VAR because this is very similar to the National Football League uh, where referees will tend to let plays go, not blow the whistle. And also hockey, they do the same thing. They don't blow the whistle because they know uh, there's a chance it can be reviewable and they'd rather get it reviewed and get it right than blow the call and make a mistake in the game. Um, afterwards, which, is, which pisses me off more, uh, was the referee came out and said, you know what? I was wrong. It was a chested play by DeSanto and it was a good goal, but I made a mistake. Uh, so the fact that he even admitted it, I mean, I, I like, I'm glad that he admitted it, but it sucks even more because I'm like, see, it was a freaking good goal. Yeah. It wasn't just freaking yeah. bias. Yeah. I mean, so the thing and for I me is maybe it's, you know, the fact, because for those of you who are not aware, I mean, you should be, but this is a U.S. based podcast, right? So Richard's on the East Coast. I personally am from the suburb of Chicago. So um, we're ingrained in, you know, American sports culture and video review is is a large part of several major sports. So it's something that I think we're maybe more used to over here than maybe the majority of soccer fans are elsewhere. Um, maybe that kind of colors our opinion of it because I personally have been surprised with how um, vehemently some people are against VAR. I, like once again, I, I think it definitely has had growing pains, but I think it has a lot of potential personally. Um, uh, Daniel Niari, who some of you may remember if you listened to uh, our Bayern recap match earlier in the Rook Renda with uh, Mauricio Tabolkam as well. Um, Daniel is very against VAR personally. And here's, I just wanted to read something that he had said because I think this is interesting. I actually would love to have him on at some point potentially and discuss um, 
just kind of the state of soccer in general, whether it's money and VAR, I think that maybe would be an interesting show. But what he said was, yeah. um, I'm not convinced it won't further create pauses in the game and potentially also remove the kind of narratives we've come to love about the game, namely the unfairness, the transgressions, the tragedies. Technically, I'm not sure if it will resolve the human error since it's people who will inevitably make the decisions regardless. And philosophically, this reeks of bureaucratic tinkering and obsession with resolving human suffering with more technological uh, with more technology, not less. Uh, he also says uh, he stands by his belief that VAR is just another in a long line of misguided decisions to integrate technology into the order of things and hope to improve it without understanding any of the potential consequences. We treat tech like a religion, which I think is a very interesting take. Um, and I understand some of that where he's coming from. I, I don't think you can remove um, human error from the game entirely, and I'm, I'm not necessarily sure that's what VAR even attempts to solve, although I guess in some sense that is, I mean, we're trying to get better about it, right? But um, trying to get the, the the big mistakes out of the game, you know, and, and I do offsides that aren't yeah. offsides. Or, and I do think we love the drama and, and you know the narratives, but I'm not I'm not also convinced that. I mean, personally, and I know I'm going to sound biased in this specific situation because this is a situation where you know the rules around VAR, you know, hurt Schalke, right? But personally, I want the right calls to be made, regardless. Yeah. You know, I would not want to see our team go through when clearly we did not deserve to because the ref missed some sort of crazy. I mean, earlier, like I was saying, I'm not convinced that that was a red card for Fernandez, right? Um, right. So, I mean, I'm not saying it was blatantly the wrong call, but let's just say it had been and it hadn't been, you know, VAR was involved. Like, I, I want to see the right calls made. So, um, and I'm not, I don't think that necessarily takes away from the drama of the game at all. I think there's plenty of drama regardless. So, I mean, if he had scored that goal, that would have been dramatic. We can just take a look at this whole season. You can just look at Schalke's season and and see that there's still drama with VAR. Uh, now all those late late goals by Naldo or whomever. Um, the season's going to have drama no matter what, whether you have VAR involved or not. Um, so I'd rather get the the calls correct than uh, not. So I mean, I can, I, I'm totally with Daniel in the sense that you're never going to take the human element out. No, because uh, there's someone watching the VAR. You know, on the in. Where, where's the home? It's in Cologne. Is the the main headquarters? I yeah, it is. Where it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, someone's gonna be watching that, and before they make the call to the referee. So, yeah, there's a human element always, and you're never gonna get rid of that, which is fine. But we want to make sure the call is correct. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I'm, you don't want to. I would love to hear from it. all of you out there if you have input on this. I'm sure Richard and I would would love to read your opinions on how you feel about VAR. I think both of us are still somewhat optimistic about it in the future, but there's plenty of people who are very much not in that camp. No, yeah, you are absolutely right. So um, <laughs> that aside, you know, Schalke do lose that game one nothing. Uh, Nico Kovac goes and plays against his his new his next team, uh, Bayern Munich, in the final of the DFB Pokal. Um, so I, I was, you know, I don't mind. I I wouldn't have mind losing to to Eintracht, but the way we lost is what pisses me off. Um, and I hope they beat Bayern. It'll be great if they if they beat it. Uh, and it would be interesting yeah. to see how what the reception would be of Kovac uh, if they do beat uh, Bayern. Oh, the narratives. Uh, Kovac going against his future employer. Ah, such a narrative. Um, the one thing I will say for the Schalke match is uh, that decision aside, which is obviously the wrong decision, um, It's you'd be very hard-pressed to make the case that Schalke deserved it outside of that play. Correct. They did not play well. Um, and ultimately they were, they were beaten. So, um, disappointing the way some of that went down, but, uh, we weren't good enough, plain and simple. So, uh, you know, congrats to Frankfurt and I wish them best of luck in defeating the juggernaut that is FC Bayern Munich. My sentiments exactly. 
Um, all right, so let's get on to more confusion. <laughs> um, going into this weekend, we would uh, we would play against our bogey team. We have several bogey teams, but this I think Cologne is our bogey team. Um, last time we played them was in December. Uh, if you guys remember, it was a 2-2 draw in that one. Uh, the goal scorers for us was uh, Guido Bergstaller and Amin Harit. And then uh, uh, Gerasi had a, a brace in that one for Cologne. Um, so this one, uh, it would be at the Rhein Energy Stadion uh, in pouring, pouring rain. Um, clearly the best player for uh, for Cologne is their goalkeeper, Timo Horn. I, I think coming into this game, he had a, something like 120-some saves, uh, which is by far the most in the Bundesliga. It just shows how many shots they get. Um, Cologne, uh, you know, it seems last week, last well, the week before we played Bayern, uh, who was against, um, who did we lose to? Hamburg. They were in last place at the time. And so coming into this game, Cologne were actually bottom of the table. Uh, and against, obviously, we're number two. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's another team we play in the relegation zone. This team, Cologne, they've been in the relegation zone since something like match week two or three. So they've been for most of the season. Um, I know they already have a new manager in, uh, coming up next season, but currently it's Stefan Ruthenbeck. Uh, uh, what is it about Cologne, Jack, that we, it just, we can't jump over that hurdle? I mean, I guess every team has them. As we've said before, Gladbach is the, is the team for Bayern. Um, by the way, we're facing them next week. Uh, what, what is it that we can't just, you know, Focus and play well against against Cologne. There was a little bit of an advantage this this weekend because uh, for Cologne because it was in pouring rain. So you take out quality right there. It's just uh, it's a slopper fest. But uh, what do you make of that? Well, they have Marco Hooger, right? And we all know how dangerous yeah. he is. Um, <laughs> former Schalke man. Uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, Cologne is fairly close to the Veltens Arena. Maybe it's something of a local derby to some extent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. um, if, I, I don't know. It, it, some teams just have that history with you. Have you know? Maybe it's a psychology thing. I'm not sure. But when you have a team as, as poor as Cologne is, uh, that's not really an excuse, in my opinion. And you should be able to, to, you know, to, to come out with a better result than a 2-2 draw, particularly when you're having the kind of season that, that Schalke's having. Yeah, and uh, Cologne—they're tr- just like Hamburg were—they're trying to uh, escape relegation. They're nine points from relegation safety uh, coming into this game. Um, look at the lineup real quick for for Cologne. Uh, like we mentioned, Timo Horn in the net. Um, and you had Sorensen, uh, Murray, Heinz, Arisa, Oshkan, Hoger, who we just mentioned, Hector, um, Bittencourt, uh, Hardwerker, and Taroda. Uh, on the bench, some names that people may know is uh, Jojic, Claudio Pizarro, a uh, big goal scorer throughout history of the Bundesliga, and John Cordoba, uh, who has moments of brilliance uh, for for uh, for Cologne. Who would you be? Who, you know, coming to this game, who's the guy you're going to worry about most? Uh, would you say it was a uh, Bittencourt, Leonardo Bittencourt? Yeah, um, he, he's been pretty. He, he impressed me in this game as well, um, and not just because of what he ultimately ended up doing, but I thought he looked pretty bright um Hector's always you know a dangerous player wherever he pops up on the pitch and um then obviously you know Timo Horn as well in goal is is a very difficult man to get by yeah Timo Horn he's uh it's kind of like an underrated keeper because he's one of the best keepers in the Bundesliga excellent beard he also, too yeah yeah he does red beard isn't yeah. it uh and he uh he's never gotten a shot for for the well so many keepers in the yeah, German same with Fairman right yeah same problem yeah, yeah exactly I mean, any other any other country, they probably went, you know, one and two or whatever. Um, 
So it, it's unfortunate for him that he plays for. I mean, kudos, they stay with Cologne. He didn't go to a bigger club, but um, yeah, just uh, a fantastic keeper. Just as Farman is, uh, if you look at our lineup, um, obviously Farman, it was a standard lineup. Uh, Farman, Stambouli, Naldo, Kerrer, uh, Caligiri, Goretzka, McKinney getting the start, Ochipka back in the lineup, Imbolo, Di Santo in his defensive false nine, and Konoplyanka. Um, anything. Uh, Anything that stuck out for you in, in, the, in the starting lineup for Schalke, other than, I guess, DeSanto? Yeah, so Ochipka, uh, he's been kind of absent recently, hasn't he? That's So that was interesting yeah, to see him scratcher. back in there. Obviously, uh, the Stambouli-Kerrer combo in the back line is, is as a result of uh, Nastasic being out for the rest of the season with that ACL injury. So I, I anticipate us seeing that back three for the rest of of the uh, the campaign, unless for some reason Tedesco changes, uh, you know, sort of his general tactical formation into like you know, like, you know four back four or something along those lines. Um, yeah, McKenney gets another start, and then Konoplyanka riding the wave of his performance in the Rivera Derby uh, gets the start, and I was I was pleased to see that. We talked about this a lot. We talked about it with the Hamburg match. Um, I thought that was a match where we really lacked. His directness, he he has such a great mentality and hunger on the ball. And, uh, you know, occasionally that can be wasteful. And he, it is sort of one-dimensional what he does, but it's it's really effective. And it was, it was today, too. It, it, absolutely, yeah. So uh, I, I was pleased to see him in there, and I think he uh, rewarded the manager with his performance today or whenever this um, game was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. recording this on a Monday night. So I, 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 every week I do that. I'm like, yeah, it was a great game today, and it was like two days ago, three days ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> I do the same thing. Um, instead of telling you who was on the bench, I'll tell you who wasn't on the bench. Uh, first, Marco Piazza wasn't on the bench. Uh, it's it's hard. There's so much talent on the team that you want to keep rotating guys, make sure they're in there. But another thing I noticed that wasn't on the bench was another defender. So if one of the you know one of the three in the back go down, I'm. I'm going to guess that Tedesco is more than comfortable putting McKinney back. There it is. The There's your three. favorite talking point. Dun, dun, dun. We haven't even seen that yet. Just one one rumor out of a uh, winter training camp, and uh, you're all was, about yeah, one that. One friendly game that he played in, and that, that, well, that's all we talk about now. I, I mean, I actually kind of want to see this happen just because I think you're going to have like a heart attack when it actually does. You're going to be so excited about it. And he'll probably score a goal off a header off a goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he finally, he finally has his breakthrough, scores a goal, and he's playing center back. He might get a brace or something, or something yeah. crazy like that. Um, so it works for Naldo. Coming into this, yeah, absolutely, he's the second leading scorer on the freaking team. Um, coming into this one, Cologne were winless in three. Uh, Schalke, though, after their six-game win streak, they only had one win in their last three competitive matches, and that was against the in the Riviera Derby against Dortmund. So I'll take that win in three. Um, I did notice in this game, uh, we were talking about Hector, and he's a, you know it's a guy you also have to keep an eye on. Uh, he was actually, he normally plays on the left wing, like left back, left, you know, left midfield. Uh, he played like a, a 10 role. Uh, and I know the announcers brought it up as well, uh, which is completely different than we've normally seen him. It's just something, a little wrinkle maybe that, um, Ruthenbeck was trying to, uh, catch to this. Or was it the defensive false nine made famous by Franco DeSanto? Ah, it's catching on. It's changing the game. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Brilliant. See, it's a Desco effect. <laughs> I love it. Oh man! Speaking of Hector, uh, I don't remember what minute it was. Uh, what was it? It was. Uh, let me think here. Fifth minute. Okay, so he tried penetrating the defense of Schalke, and uh, Naldo. Uh, he's on the ground. Strips. He strips Hector of the ball. 
right? Uh, he gets up really quickly, which you don't think someone of his age would be able to do, but he does it. Uh, gets up and, l- and lets off this beautiful breakout pass to Konoplyanka. Konoplyanka is going down the pitch. Um, it looks like he's going to uh, take a shot because he has he's coming. He's, I guess he has uh, Risa or who's the Risa? No, Sorensen was behind him, so Shriek's not going to play. Uh, looks like he's going to shoot. Timo Horn comes out to like challenge him, and nine times out of ten, uh, Konoplyanka is going to shoot that right. He didn't do it this time. He passed it over, and it was a streaking uh, Mbolo sliding, scores the goal, slides into the net himself. Uh, an open play goal by Schalke. Uh, beautiful play all the way around, Jack. Yeah, great start for Schalke. I mean, Gretzka had a shot just a minute or two earlier. Um, so right off the bat, you could tell that we were we were up for it, and it was it was a very um, lively uh, opening, which I love to see. Uh, <laughs> Naldo is so good that he can make tackles while he's kneeling. Um, you know, his grav his gravity just brawl draws people in. I mean, he's literally on his knees for this and for some you said it was Hector, right? Just like just kind of dribbles yeah, right Hector. into him for some reason. Uh, you know, he picks his pocket, gets up, uh kind of runs with it a little bit, and as you say, plays a beautiful lead pass to a streaking kind of Plianka, who is, you know, right off the bat, uh full of running, which we will see. And uh yeah, as he gets close to the box, Timo Horn kind of forced to come out and try to cut that cut that angle off and when he does it leaves pretty much the entire net open and uh you know and bolo just beats dominic heinz to the the near post and you know uh finishes off that cross it was a great 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 finish too um from yeah. Mbolo. and I, I love to see that Mbolo getting on the score sheet um you know he's had a few he's scored a few goals since he's, he's since he's come back i'd love to see more from him but that's always that always makes me happy i think he has a very bright future so i, I was glad to see that and yeah what a start for four or five minutes in love it and uh, it's nice to see Mbolo and Konoplyanka both there on the pitch at the same time because they're both speedsters, really. Uh, so there's very few people who can keep up with each of them, and they can keep, you know they're good compliments to each other. So if that was just Naldo or not Naldo um, or yeah Naldo or Di Santo or, or Bergseller, I don't know if they would have got to that ball. Um, it, basically, Mbolo with his speed was able to beat out Heinz and 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 uh, what's his name uh, Konoplyanka made that play because he was able to get past Sorensen and, and run and catch onto that loose ball. So. Speed kills, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so yeah, one uh, one nothing. Mbolo with his fourth goal of the season, which is uh, it's good to see because we were talking about you know after coming off the, the gruesome injury, uh, we weren't sure if he was going to be back to his confident ways from the past. But uh, he seemed, I would say, with that goal, uh, he he's back and not thinking about his leg injury anymore. What do you think? Yeah, I I, I would agree definitely. I, I mean, he, he he looks pretty good. So um, shortly after the goal, I, I did hear the announcer uh, mention something, Jack, that I saw as well, and I'm sure you did too. Uh, whenever Shaka would lose possession, they were quickly counter-pressing and trying to recover the ball, and they did it immediately uh, instead of kind of like ball-watching, uh, which is good to see because we haven't really done this all season where we turn it over and we just kind of like, okay, let's just get in defensive posture. Shaka were being aggressive, and they were trying to get the ball back immediately. What you see... Some of the upper echelon teams do when, when they lose position. A Bayern, a Barcelona, Real Madrid, they, they try to get the ball back immediately so they can get possession and control the play. Uh, so that was a welcome uh, welcome sight by, for Schalke and uh, the tactic schemes of this one. Yeah, I mean, it takes so much pressure off of you defensively if, as you say, when you, when you turn the ball over, you don't try to get back into a shell and let them run at you when you immediately try to win it back. Um, it, it makes things, I mean, obviously it requires a lot of energy, but you could make the argument that over the course of a match, it actually maybe saves some energy um, because instead of, you know, r- running back and forth and chasing a ball for 
however long, you know, a team decides to pass it around while they're trying to kind of, you know, penetrate you in the final third, you, you know, you, you can, um, you know, if you have certain pressing triggers and you send two or three players at somebody immediately, you know, in just a couple seconds, you might be able to recover the ball and, you know, save yourself, you know, quite a bit of running. So uh, just, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's a good approach and it's something that this team can definitely pull, uh, pull off. Tedesco, I think has drilled them very well in that. And uh, I mean, I loved it. I love the energy and I, I love to see that early on. Speaking of energy, uh, again, we're going to say, you know, Konopliako is very lively in this one, uh, full of energy. I mean, like you said, he would have been great for the Hamburg match. Uh, he, he did wonders against Dortmund. And and and, and in this game against uh, Cologne, he was everywhere in the beginning, at least, uh, causing havoc, using his speed, um, his uh, directness and going at players. I love when, 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 play, when offensive players go at the defense. Not many guys do it, but Konopliako will do it every time. Yeah, he's he's. I mean, he's great. He, not afraid to take anybody on. And uh, I mean, <laughs> once again, fairly one dimensional. But it's like you kind of know what he's going to do every time. But for whatever reason, it's just really difficult to stop. You know, he he, he tends to kind of like to cut inside on his right foot and, and get shots off, or you know, maybe occasionally he'll he'll cross it instead if he's feeling unselfish. And um, it, it's surprising how often he's able to to get a shot and have an open opportunity. Um, because you would think that defenses would kind of know what it is he's he's going to do, but uh, he's he's just very good at it. And um, I, it, when you watch performances like this, it, it's surprising that we haven't seen him. Um, as much, and I know that we do have right. um, at least you know since the loaning signings of you know uh, Piazza and uh, you know the addition of I mean Twiker, even though he's not really playing, um, you know we do we do have people that we have to get in rotation. Shop has been making his presence felt a little bit more recently, um, and obviously you have you know that Berg, Dollar, and Bolo, DeSanto, you know rotation up top. But um, I'm surprised he hasn't worked his way into the lineup a little bit more because the times that we've seen him this season, I, I think he's been pretty good overall. Don't you? Oh yeah, I agree with you. Uh, so you make it makes him wonder why we haven't seen more of him. You know, it, uh, you, you wonder what Tedesco's thinking. I don't know if he's trying to keep the guys fresh or or, or keep the player fresh uh, and keep him uh, hungry. I don't know. He's probably off it's, busy uh, like tanning or something. He always looks like he has like a fresh like fake tan or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go. You guys go ahead and play this one. I'll, I'll catch you next time. I gotta. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Uh, quarter quarter hour into this one, uh, Jack. Uh, it was just a deluge on the pitch. Uh, so much pouring rain. It was just standing uh, standing water everywhere. You could just see it. Some of the passes and when guys go down, the water splashing all over the place. Um, when it, when it, when you get uh, weather like that, uh, conditions like that, it makes it difficult, especially if you're a skilled player, because it kind of evens out the playing field. Uh, I, I I know for all, any kind of sport you watch, when it's whenever the weather gets involved. Um, uh, it's all of a sudden, it, whatever skill you advantage you think you have, uh, it's equalizing by the water, standing water and the rain, and uh, makes it a little bit more even, which uh, obviously is to the favor of Cologne. There's a couple of moments early in the match where uh, a ball just did not bounce the way you would have expected it to bounce or it didn't roll as much. So uh, that probably wasn't the the most fun condition to play in uh, if you're a player out there. It, it truly was a deluge early on. And Tedesco doing it without a coach, just chilling in his, you know, his Lacoste polo as he does, taking it all in. Love to see that. Hey, that's how you build morale with yeah. your team. Says, you know, if you're going to be out there, I'm going to be out there too. Uh, it's, it's funny to see because in the same breath, you know, Armin Vey was uh, he's, he's not the manager, but he's a uh, assistant to the team, whatever. He was sitting undercover, you know, away from the rain, which I thought was completely opposite of Tedesco. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> uh, so shortly after the the quarter hour mark, um, there was a play that. Uh, Many people were were well. 
we'll get to that. Uh, Goretzka feeds a pass to Briel Mbolo into the box, and uh, as he's going to get to collect the ball, uh, he gets taken down by Heinze. Uh, down in the box, foul or not. Uh, nothing was called in the play, Jack. Uh, what did you make of that? The first couple times I saw it, I, I wasn't sure um, because I don't think the contact was super obvious. At least my, maybe you have a completely different view of it, from my opinion. Um, and it also looked like he kind of maybe hesitated slightly before going down, at least from when the contact did happen. But I ended up seeing at least one angle that was from sort of like the reverse angle from behind the play. And I think you quite clearly saw that his his uh, the back of his leg was hit and his ankle was kind of taken out. Um, so I think it definitely could have been called a penalty. And the, at least the commentators were convinced that it should have been called a penalty. Um, I wasn't furious about it. Um, I think there were other calls this week that I was a little bit more upset <laughs> about that one. But, uh, yeah, it could have been a penalty and could have been an opportunity to uh, get another goal early for us. What did you make of it? Uh, you know, kind of like you, when I, when I first saw the play, I was like, wait, wait, wait what, what happened there? Did, did Mbolo just fall down? Because I've seen him do that before. Uh, but when when you started seeing the replay two or three times, uh, I, I too saw that it was a penalty that, that uh, Heinz got the uh, got a touch on him and knocked him down. And I thought I, it wasn't a... I wouldn't say like a red card or anything, but it was definitely a foul in the box, and I think it was uh, worthy of a free well, kick. Who knows? If they kick. had gone to VAR, maybe it would have been a red card. Maybe, <laughs> or maybe it would have been nothing. Maybe it would have been a goal for uh, for Cologne. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows with VAR? <laughs> Get that thing out of the game. <laughs> so nothing was called in that play, um, which uh, you know we we've seen plays where uh, or times during the season where. Uh, a play like that can can really affect the game. Uh, fortunately, it did not. That play did not. Uh, other plays did, but not that one. Um, so a couple minutes after that play, uh, the 23rd minute, there was a turnover that was uh, collected by Ochipka on the on the sideline. I thought the ball was for sure going out of bounds. Uh, somehow, I think the um, Cologne player kept it in, went right to Ochipka. He quickly lobbed it over to uh, Konoplyanka, who took off, and Schalke were on a three-two three-on-two breakaway. Uh, Kona Plyanka then, uh, he's getting closed down by Jorge Mere and, uh, nutmegs him. Uh, and then all of a sudden it's one on one with Timo Horn. Uh, kind of like he was a little bit earlier this time. He just says a shoot, slots home the goal. And then Jack, that pose after the goal. I love that part the best. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to say it was, uh, Rissa and, and Sorensen who were both on Ochipka. So, uh, Kona Plyanka was wide open. And I think it was probably yeah. Mary that slid over to try to, stop him uh but he ultimately gets around i think he almost megged him i think it maybe made some contact it wasn't the cleanest move but he gets by him and then uh finishes over horn and and, and puts it away and there you go uh kind of plank again uh in the right place at the right time you know heads up play the second that ball is turned over he's making a run finding you know getting his head on a swivel looking to where he can go um and you know very direct very aggressive and, and it pays off two open goals in this game and uh that's uh I can't think the last time we had two open play goals in a, in a game, uh, Jack. Uh, it's something we've been, it's very rare for us to have this season, an open goal, let alone two in a game. So, uh, with Konoplyanka and Bolo, the speedsters on the field, uh, it, it was a, a welcome sight for sure. And up two nothing already on the road in the rain. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I was, uh, I was feeling very confident at this point and, uh, think we were going to run away. Oh, absolutely. We looked great to start off with. Um, you know, two goals within 25 minutes or so on the road. Uh, love to see that. And, you know, Schalke is not a team that, that scores a ton of goals all the time and certainly usually doesn't score multiple goals early like this. And given our defensive record, you would have had to feel 
very good at this point. You know, we had we had Critty Smith on last week, right? And, and what he was saying was from yeah. sort of the league's perspective, from outside of the Schalke view, if Schalke even go one one nil up, it's pretty much over. So, um, you know, to be two nil up, I think all of us were feeling pretty good. Yeah, even when I was on the Yellow Wall pod, there were some guys who were saying the same thing. It's like, oh, we, we, it seems to us that when you guys get a lead, you shut up a shot. I'm like, okay, you guys think that, but we don't think yeah, that. Yeah, so th- thank you, um, thank you, Critty, for the reverse jinx, because obviously that did not happen for us. Ah, Dortmund again. <laughs> uh, so, you know, down 2 nothing, uh, Cologne is. You're wondering, how are they going to respond? Are they going to respond, or are they just going to fold up shop and then uh, let, let Schalke just pound them in, with goal after goal? Um, well, minutes later, we found out, and it was um, they would respond, and pretty much out of nothing, uh, there was a play, and I think it was Taroda somehow got a it was a bouncing ball. He gets a little head on it, little head looping pass. Vittencourt gets it, he brings it down, um, and he goes with like a little give and go with Hector, and somehow finds Vittencourt between Naldo, Tilo Carrer, and Bastiano Chipka. And Bittencourt, one-on-one with the goal, he makes no mistakes scoring, I don't know, it was a five-hole. I didn't catch how he scored, but I just know he scored. And it was it was a, a breakdown in defense. I don't know how how or why it happened. Uh, somehow, some way, um, they scored. And, uh, yeah, 2-1. Um, yeah. Stan Bowie is in no man's land on this play. I don't want to blame it on him too much. But uh, if you watch this, Again, as you say, Torada brings it down and heads it back towards um, Bittencourt, right? So at, at this point, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's it's Ochipka, it's Carer, and it's Stambouli. Um, and, and Naldo is a little bit behind the play. Uh, Bittencourt flicks it over to uh, Hector, who's kind of making a penetrating run. He gathers the thing and takes it kind of right to the edge of the box, at which point he's being closed down by uh, both Carer and Ochipka. Um uh, Bittencourt is streaking into the box, and Stambouli is, I guess, trying to cover sort of like the 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 run from Torada because Torada's. I don't know if you can even picture and follow what I'm saying, but Torada is kind of making sort of a looping run, I guess, in the general direction of of the back post. But obviously, the more the more immediate danger is Bittencourt, who is yeah. streaking to the box, and, and Naldo was behind him on this, so Naldo is is trying to catch up with him, and um, Hector kind of holds the ball up for a second to freeze Kara and Ochipka, and then just plays a ball through um, to Bittencourt. Uh, once again, Naldo is behind him, and now Stambouli is n- you know nowhere near where he needs to be. Um, I, I guess he's still technically in position to stop across from going to Torada, but I, personally, I think he probably should have gone and tried to close out, um, you know, Bittencourt further. I don't know what, you know, te- what the technically correct thing to do there was, but it looked slightly suspect from Stambouli. But anyway, uh, Bittencourt picks this up and, and you know, he, he slots it near post and, and Fairman's unable to get it. So uh, a great response from Cologne. You know, they, they, they had that first goal, uh, conceded and uh, didn't look particularly great after that. And then, you know, going another one down, you would have think that maybe their performance would, would dip even further, but uh, they hit back I- immediately. And that was uh, great to see from, from their perspective, I'm sure. And that's the kind of fight that you want to see from the neutral perspective. You know, they're, they're in, they're in a relegation battle. Um, they're almost certainly going to get relegated. I still don't think it's mathematical yet, but um uh, is it? I could be mistaken about that, but regardless, I mean, they're done. R- regardless, whatever. Like it, you know, they're not giving up, um, and so that that was nice to see. Obviously, not. I wasn't happy about it, but uh, you know, whatever. Props to them. Good for them. 
Yeah, and Bittencourt again uh, being a thorn in our side. Uh, so it would go into halftime, and that scored two to one for Schalke. Um, okay, it's a one goal lead for us. Um, as as you know, we've said before, the neutrals probably thought, okay, Schalke still got this. Uh, it's a two one lead, uh, but you and I know better. Uh, we, we we they they worry us week in week out. It seems like. Um, and uh, we just need an extra goal as a buffer because of plays like that. It's a lapse in the, in defensive, uh, in the defense there and things like that happen. So you need that cushion just in case because we know it, it's going to come. Uh, as good as they are defensively, they have their moments where you're just like, wait, wh- why did you do that? Especially like Stambouli, you know, pretty much most of the season, uh, he'll have some big lapses, uh, him and Kerr. So, uh, two, one and a half time. It's, it's not the worst of score lines because obviously you're winning, yeah. but, uh, it's raining too, but I mean, at this point you got to feel good because you're on the road up two one uh, against the worst place team in the league. So right now at that at that moment, you know, it wasn't that bad, right? Yeah, I I occasionally do a very obnoxious Snapchat series called uh, either uh, Shalco Snap Saturdays or Shalco Snap Sundays, depending on you know which day they're they're playing that weekend. Um, and I just do a bunch of you know snaps about the fixture to no one in particular because people that follow me definitely don't care about German soccer. Anyway, um, I was uh, doing an up... <laughs> you, call, you call your own Snapchats annoying? Yeah, I mean, they, they, annoy, they annoy myself, <laughs> for sure. Um, I don't know how anyone watches. So they're pretty brutal. Anyway, um, I, 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 was, I was doing an updated halftime, uh, once again, just to the ether, apparently. Um, and uh, what, what I said at halftime was, you know, it was a great, it was a bright first half from Schalke, but let's hope that we don't you end up ruining some of the missed opportunities we had because, you know, uh, kind of, again, this is not a criticism of kind of Planka, but kind of Planka had several that he almost finished. Um, one of which was a header of all things for that short of a player in the box that Timo Horn had to make a kind of a diving save for. Another one was uh, a shot to hit the post, which uh, was curling and uh, hit the inside of the post and somehow did not go in the goal. I mean, nine times no. out of 10, if you take that shot, that's going in. Um, but I was concerned, you know, knowing Schalke's history um, and, and, you know, maybe not. I mean, once again, we talked about how Curtis Smith maybe has a different opinion of, of Schalke than we do. But, you know, being in this week in, week out, we do not feel as though, you know, a one, a one goal lead is safe by any stretch of the imagination or even, you know, a draw is safe like we can concede late. Um, so I, I was I was concerned that we we didn't do enough to to kill this game off, you know. And you can say, you know, maybe if we had gotten that penalty on Mbolo or if one of these had gone in, so it wasn't it certainly wasn't a bad performance, but it was, um, you know, I had an eyebrow raised, I'll say, and I was I was hoping that we would find a way to score another one early in the second half and kind of put this thing away. Yeah, um, exactly, and I and I couldn't have said any better. Uh, it's it's exactly you know reason why you know we get these gray hairs. At least me, I don't know about you. I'm a little older than you, but uh, reason I get these gray hairs is seeing you know it's a one goal game. You know any 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 play can and knot this thing up at at two two or whatever that can tie the game. So uh, you need that goal cushion. I know they say two goal lead is the worst lead in, in football. Uh, I digress. I, I I mean I I beg to differ. Well, apparently it was today, right? Well. Yeah. Once again, I said today. Yeah. This was not today, yeah. but anyway. So yeah, I guess I just uh, ate my own words then, huh? Because uh, I like two goal leads, and they they blew the two goal lead. So uh, well, that's that's see, that's a I'm just <laughs> going didn't mean to cut the legs out from under you there, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> hey, you didn't do it. Chalka did it. <laughs> um, so okay, going to the second half. Tedesco did his he does his famous halftime switch, which he does all season long. Uh, he took off Imbolo in the 46 and brought on Bergstaller. Um, I was surprised by that. Were you? Yeah, yeah. Bolo was playing well. His speed, him and Konoplyanka's speed 
were damaging, uh, you know, the defense or, you know, taking two of them, putting them on their, on, their, on their heels. And so you take off one speedster and bring on Berkseller, who's a great player, but he's not – I would have taken off DeSanto. Yeah, so I, uh, I, I thought – I wasn't maybe I was not paying attention closely enough to what Mbolo was doing on the defensive end of things. Maybe he wasn't yeah. pressing as much as he should have been or maybe his work rate uh, off the ball wasn't what – Tedesco wanted to see, and therefore he brings in somebody like Bergstaller, who we who we know will just run until he cannot run anymore. Um, but yeah, I was surprised, but I thought Kanapliankin kind of and Bolo did very well, looked dangerous. Each of them had a goal in the first half, Kanapliankin kind of with an assist as well. And uh, yeah, I was, was questionable sub for me, and I, I don't think it ended up being the right move. I think our our offense um, took a little bit of a dip after halftime. Yeah. Uh, they definitely did, and uh, I, I can see why DeSanto didn't come off. Really, I mean, he wasn't doing anything offensively, but defensively, he was actually good work, work, good work rate in it. And uh, he w- he was definitely dropping back, and he lived, it was living up to his defensive uh, defensive uh, false nine moniker there. Uh, but yeah, so the substitution was made um, shortly after halftime. Uh, Taroda ended up getting a good shot off on target. Uh, it was it was saved by Fireman. It was a close call, uh, but he it was fairly comfortable uh, for his standards. Um, you know, a few minutes later, Berkshire shortly after came on. Yeah, he ended up getting a good shot off as well. Uh, and then, you know, we, we, he has a chance there. And a couple minutes later, after that, uh, he sets up DeSanto uh, for a good shot. Um, Timo Horn again is making I mean, tough, tough to tough to to beat on this day. Obviously, we got two goals in, but. He kind of uh, got better as the game went on. I, I, it seemed like um, he he lived up to his uh, good goalkeeper uh, um, that we all know him to be. Yeah, you know, Schalke kept poking and prodding, but ultimately, you know, weren't able to do enough to uh, to put away. You got to have a little bit more than what they were bringing in the second half to, to be the goalkeeper of uh, of Timo Horn's quality. And we didn't really have a lot of the you know the breakaways and, and kind of uh, open plays that we had in the, in the first half. I think that really blew open the uh, the Cologne defense. And, and I think it's, you know, what you were just saying a couple minutes ago is that Schalke kind of dropped off and tried to play defensive. And I hate when they do that because uh, it brings the other team into the game. And, and that's that's why we, we hate these kind of games, uh, these one-goal games, because you know, you know what you know what Tedesco's trying to do and, and turn a lot, you know, set up shop and, and close it out. But the team has so many lapses in defensively that they can't do that where it's, it looks smooth and confident, where you're like, okay, they're, they're really shutting them down. They're, they're getting no opportunities. I mean, Dortmund game they did, but other than that, that's really the only time this season that it's it had happened. Um, so, 78th minute, we were just talking about Timo Horn. Uh, Ochipka had a set piece on the on the left wing, I believe. And uh, when 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 you know when there's set piece going on, you know they're looking for one man, and it's it's Naldo. Uh, Ochipka does find Naldo. He gets a header on it, but Timo Horn does well to stop it. Uh, there was a little bit of a scramble out front of the goal mouth. Um, but Horn eventually uh, he he gets fouled by I didn't see who it was uh, and the play ended so if 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 there was a loose ball then Chaka would have could have got to it was nullified because of the whistle what, was uh, it a, but, but, was it a foul on DeSanto going for the header uh, it may have been because I don't yeah, think it was Naldo uh, sorry, not not DeSanto I made it up no no I was gonna say was it a, was it a foul on DeSanto uh, was was foul I just I just did it again wow <laughs> was it a foul on you love him you love him I, yeah. Uh, was it a foul on Naldo going up? Because he kind of climbed over the back. Because the person who got to that ball after Horn saved it was Goretzka. And I don't think he made a foul on anybody. So I remember, uh, I don't remember exactly, but I know when Naldo went up, he got the header on there. 
Horn makes a save. The ball goes to the ground, and some there's two two guys there. Gretzka's one, maybe Naldo's the other guy, and I don't know if he kicks him or something or runs into him. When when he's trying to when Horn's trying to go get the ball, that's what ended up being the foul. So I'm, it, it's very possible. <sighs> if they called that on Goretzka, that's a weak, weak foul. I think he has every right to yeah. go for that ball. Yeah, where's the pro Bayern calls? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was. <laughs> yeah, seriously, right? The pro Bayern, <laughs> good one. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, that ended up being a big play, uh, and that's because just a couple minutes later, um, this time Cologne get a set piece, and uh, they're some distance away from goal, right? They're probably thirty-five meters from goal. Well, they're they're halfway they between the the edge of the box and midfield. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're a good bit away, and. Uh, Marcel Risa, he does his best Jan Arnarisa impersonation, <laughs> rockets home a long-range bomb past Furman. Great shot. Uh, the kind of the announcer was saying, uh, the commentator was saying, oh, very Ronaldo-esque. Uh, I assume he means Cristiano and not uh, the original. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it was, an, it was a nice, really, really good hard shot. Uh, definitely a rocket-up shot. But I'm going to blame Furman on this. How did you see that goal? I have to agree. Um, this is this is so far out. I don't think anyone should ever score a goal this far out. Um, and I know that Naldo Nald- has some long range things, right? If you want to compare this to the the, the goal that Naldo scored in the Revere Derby, um, Naldo was so much closer to goal, and it was curling away from the goalkeeper. Uh, the comparison to Ronaldo is that you know this is a dead ball that that Rissa hits. Um, it, it's a knuckleball. It's it's doing weird things in the air, and so you know to that extent, I can understand why it's difficult for for Ralph Fairman to maybe get a read on and control. But um, Fairman should do. But and ultimately, he gets hands on it, right? Um, I don't yeah. know if he just didn't see it initially or, or, or what, but uh, he starts moving to the right, his right at least, and then realizes this ball is going left and has to quickly change direction, and he ultimately is not able to get to it. Uh, the reason I blame Fairman for this is this ball is not hit into one of the corners. It, it's fairly no. down the middle, and so in that sense, Ralph Fairman should definitely save it. it it's, it's a great shot from Rissa. You give him credit. He hits it on target. It's moving. It's doing a lot of weird things in the air. You know, it's, it's a great strike, but um, from that distance and that placement, it should never be a goal, and I think Fairman uh, definitely, definitely bungled it there. Um, also, just since you brought up Yana uh, Yana Narisa, um, if you've never heard that call of one of his free kicks, <laughs> it's the release the Kraken call. Have you heard that one, Richard? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God! It's it's absolutely it's one of the worst calls of all time in my opinion. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> just just go on YouTube, type in <laughs> Risa and and Kraken, and you will laugh your ass off for a solid five minutes. It's it's great stuff. <laughs> That's what I thought of. I was like, wait, which Risa is uh, uh, on this? You know, uh, Risa's known to kick those uh, beautiful yeah. freaking long range bombs. So it's uh, just fitting that he scored that. Yeah, no, Farman, you know, the goal go Far, Farman's covering the the far post, uh, if you're looking at where Risa was. Uh, the goal ends up being in the far post where he, where he ultimately was. So uh, had it been deflected by someone, I would not have blamed Farman at all because if it gets deflected off someone, I can see easily how you're diving one way and the ball's no, the other way. Okay, so I, I, I got to disagree with you here, though. He, he starts this off. He's standing in the center of the goal. Farman is not on one of the po- – he's standing at the center of the goal – and then as this ball is in midair, he takes a little hop step to the right and, yeah, and then and then cuts exactly. back. I mean, like he's he's just stuck in no man's land. It's I mean, I don't know. I I am stuck in two minds between trying to give Risa credit and and 
just blaming Fairman for it. But um, either way, late equalizer for, for Cologne. And given the way things have been going for Schalke in the second half, I wasn't particularly confident that we were going to be able to uh, pull something out of a hat and get the result. No, no. Uh, shortly after that goal, uh, De Santo would finally come off for Urbin Harit a little too late for that. I think uh, we did have one last uh, good opportunity, uh, in my opinion, uh, in the 90th minute. Uh, Caligiri was set up in the box by Ochipka. Um, I believe it's Ochipka at least. Uh, so the pass came out to top of the box, golden opportunity, unmarked. Um, he gets a shot off, and he we've seen his left-footed shot before Caligiri, and he, he's pretty on target usually. This one, he just shoots it just wide, blew past the goal, missed opportunity, missed chance for three points in this one. Everyone was gassed. I don't know if that's a result of kind of the number of matches that have been played this week with, with Dortmund um, and, and then the, uh, the DFB Pokal semifinal. Okay. Yeah, and, and then this one. Although if that is the case, that does not bode well for uh, us potentially being in Europe next season because we will have plenty of midweek games. But um, everyone was gassed. Uh, our energy levels were not good the last couple of minutes. And, and as this ball comes into Calgary and he kind of winds up for it, I think on another day, if he's if he has a little bit more in the tank, he puts this away. Um, ultimately, it's a very lazy take, and he doesn't even hit the target. And he is wide open. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you miss that badly that late in the match, um, but what, I mean, whatever. He's had a good season for us. I'm not going to lay into him too hard. And he was he was tired, but that was disappointing because that was a brilliant opportunity right as stoppage time began. Yeah, coming into the game, uh, we already had a four-point lead on, on Dortmund. They had won already, so we, you know, if we won, we would have kept that four-point lead. We blew away a two-goal lead and ultimately three points. Uh, we did get a, a point out of this one, so two points, I guess, lost. Um, so, based, you know, after this game, based on the, on the current table, um, Byron obviously is seventy-eight points. Uh, nobody cares. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> So we, we remain in second with 56 points. We gained a point. Uh, so we, got, we have a two-point lead over Dortmund. Uh, they're at 54. Leverkusen, who by, uh, who uh, Dortmund beat in this weekend, they're at 51. Hoffenheim had a big win um, this weekend, so they jump up to 49 points. At yeah, not place, a good week for Leipzig. Bayer, right? No, not was at that all. Like not, they got clobbered 10 to 2 aggregate over two matches. But yeah, yeah. Not, not, not great. Not at all. Uh, so you're looking at the remain, remaining three fixtures for Schalke. Uh, they got Gladbach coming up this weekend. Uh, then I, I believe you said it was Augsburg and then Eintracht to wrap up mm-hmm. the season. Um, getting second place is important to us because we'll be ahead of Dortmund. I think that's what we, we – definitely, we definitely want Champions League. We want to be ahead of Dortmund. Um, they just have to be – they have to get some results here down the stretch. They need at least two wins, I think, uh, to make that happen. Um Gladbach, they're they're an interesting team because kind of like Leverkusen, they, at times they can be brilliant, other times they're they're head scratching. You're like, well, what are they? How are they? How are they good this week? This good last week and this week they're not. Um, it's going to be an interesting game because we don't know which which Gladbach team will show up. Yeah, definitely a mixed uh, kind of run of form for them recently. Uh, but this is a team that on their day can beat anybody. For sure, um, and they're, they they tend to play us pretty tight too. Normally, I feel like I think those are those are always entertaining games. Um, hopefully, we do not have the VAR controversies uh, in this fixture that we did last time we faced them. I don't know if you remember that. That was the the crazy play where uh, we ultimately conceded a goal, and the ref 
goes to VAR and uh, disallows yeah. the goal because of a foul that was missed like 15 seconds before the goal happened, <laughs> which was a crazy application of VAR. But um, yeah, Gladbach is, is dangerous, not a team to be overlooked. I mean, I doubt we'd be, we don't have anything else to focus on anymore other than the Bundesliga now that we've been knocked out of the deep Pokal. So um, yeah, a uh, couple tough opponents of our last three. And even Augsburg is not a bad team. So uh, we're playing seventh, we're playing eighth, we're playing 11th, a bunch of mid-table sides. But, um, you know, especially Eintracht and, and Gladbach are two teams that are usually sniffing around Europe. So uh, not the easiest end of the schedule. And I, I hope that we can find a way to uh, get some results and pull it off. Yeah, if memory serves correct, I mean, this uh, in, the, in the Hinrunde when we play these teams, we drew Gladbach 1-1. Uh, it was a shootout against Augsburg 3-2, I believe it was. And then uh, the 2-2, Naldo, famous Naldo goal in the Eintracht game. Uh, so, it's uh, yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, we know these these three teams are going to play us tough. They're just, that's what, they give everybody fits. Um, and I think even Augsburg may be the most dangerous out of them just because they have uh, the young player whose name is escaping me right now. But... Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting coming down the stretch. And like you said, if they can't handle these uh, midweek games right now, what are they going to do next year if they're in the Champions League? Because like you said, Tuesday, every Tuesday and Wednesday pretty much uh, for a good amount of time, they're going to be playing three three games. And plus you get the DFB Pokal next year as well. So uh, we'll see how they how they handle the pressure. They're going to need obviously more depth. For uh, sure, but. for sure. Well, on that, uh, do you want to make a quick prediction for next week against uh, against uh, Gladbach or you want to leave it at there? Gladbach, Gladbach, Gladbach. Um, one one last time. I don't feel good about this match. Not good in uh, a draw or not good in uh, as a loss. Oh man, I don't have a good feeling about this one. I don't know why. I am yeah. gonna say three one Gladbach victory. Oh man, taking it to us. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. I'll have to go on the flip side just to create some good mojo. I'm going to say 2-1 Schalke. Okay, okay. Hopefully counteract that. Counteract that and we get a, get a, at least a point out of this. We need, yeah. a, we need to keep getting results uh, if we want to keep in second place because uh, I'm not sure who Dortmund has, but uh, you know, they, can win, they can win every week uh, as we've seen. Um, so I think we're going to wrap it up there. Keep tuning in each week as we bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, Opta Franz, and the Bundesliga for, for providing us tidbits for this podcast today. Um, if there are any topics you would like us to discuss, send us a tweet over at SO4 underscore podcast. Jack, uh, where can our followers find you on social media? JM Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on the Twitter machine. Uh, is it the same handle for the uh, for the uh, Snapchats? It is not, thank goodness. So uh, <laughs> I don't want to subject anyone to that nonsense. Fair enough. Fair if, enough. You, if you for some reason feel like following me on Snapchat, which I highly, highly do not recommend, um, feel free to DM me and I'll, I'll give you my handle. Boom. That's how it's almost done. All right. Once again, I'm your host, Richard Carmen, and you can find me on Twitter as well at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon.